Amen. Well, tonight we are continuing a study on how to study the Bible. Kind of a different study for us. Normally we're working through a, a chapter at a time. We'll be there again in just a couple of weeks. But really just at the beginning of the year, finding just a sense from the Lord, just wanting to come and help you to be equipped to, to study your Bibles, to be able to understand it. And so tonight's week number three. We've put together a little booklet that we give out each week, and it's got little pamphlets and little places that you can fill them out. If you do not have one of those booklets, if you'll raise your hands, uh, we have our ushers and greeters who will bring you one of the booklets if you're wanting one of those. That way you can fill it out and, and use the, the little uh, follow along the pattern there, plus some of it's already written out for you. Anybody else need that? You can raise your hands there. All right. Well, we're gazing, again, with a place of wanting to be those who know and understand God's word, believing that he's called us into that. And I want to take a moment and pray that God would help us. But I want to just, before I do that, just say this again. I I love the way that God works in our lives. He does so both gently and personally. And I don't know as we kind of go into this, if for some of you this is just going to find yourself thinking, hey, this is really good, I, I needed this, or it's only augmenting stuff that I'm already doing, or maybe you don't even be able to go further, great. Let it meet you right there. If this is overwhelming, I don't want it to be. I want it to be something that is an invitation for you to take steps towards just being one who can understand the Word of God, that would understand what God has for you. And if I just want to just encourage you this evening that God is wanting to do that inside of you, that He's given us His Spirit to help us in that. So let's ask Him for that right now, and then we'll dive into our study tonight, our kind of our third study on how to study the Scriptures. So let's ask Him. Father, I come once more and just say, Lord, I know that you know us, and we're in different spaces. That's just simply true. Some very new in their faith and, and, and just beginning to get an understanding of things. Some have just decades under, under their belt, and wisdom is already a part of some of their study of the Scripture. And Lord, we find everything in between. And, and Lord, you know us. You know right where we are. You know right where we're at. And I'm asking that tonight you, in a very personal way, would take the things that we discuss and make it meet us right where we are, where it's an invitation for us to take a step forward, to know you better, to understand your word better, that, Lord, you would meet us in favor in that, in in a place of encouragement, but also just help, help in a way that I could never get to. But, Jesus, I think about what you said. You said you you gave us the Holy Spirit, who would be our teacher, who would help us both to remember and comprehend and grow. So leaning hard into that right now, asking, help, Lord. Meet us and help me to be able to communicate clearly, help it to meet us in a way that just draws us forward. We ask for that together right now, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Word of God is so incredibly powerful. I love all the many different places where God speaks about it in His Word, but I'll hold one of them before you as we begin this evening. I think about it there in Psalm 19, uh, where it's just talked about how God speaks to us in His creation, and then He just begins to tell us, hey, the law of the Lord, which is speaking of the Bible, is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
the fear of the Lord and still being a discussion of God's word. It is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. It's a very poetic thing with a lot of things, but it's entirely talking about the way that God speaks to us through his word and just the power that it is. In fact, I want to just go back through those verses and just read the impact one more time as an impact that would seek to be there for you, inviting you to be a student and one who would read and know the word of God. He says his word is that which would convert the soul, would make wise the simple, that it would rejoice the heart, that it would enlighten the eyes, that it would be that which endures forever, that is altogether righteous, that is more desirable than gold, more than any other sweetness around, honey or honeycomb, that it is that which would warn you and correct you, and it would give you great reward. I just want to tell you that's a promise. That's a promise that God would say, hey, his word would be this to you. In all that we said, whether it be that which both rescues you and saves, brings you into joy, that brings you into solidness, that brings just help, his word is this. And it should all together draw us to be one who say, I want that. I want to understand those things that God has for me. So that's what we're doing, just doing a four-week study on how to do that, how do you study the scriptures, and so it's week number three, and so as we dive into this, I need to do just a couple of quick recaps, just a couple of quick recaps so we can get where we are and just remind you of a few things. So on our first week, I told you that there were a few things that were really key uh, for studying the scripture. I just want to highlight a couple of them as we begin. I just want to highlight again the very, just the nature of the Word of God that it is spiritual, that this is not something that's just a technicality or something you could learn. What I'm giving you tonight and walking through, it's not just skill. There is a sense that if you're going to understand the scriptures, first and foremost, you have to be a believer. The Bible is really, really clear that someone who's not a follower of Jesus cannot get it, cannot understand it. It tells us in Corinthians that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. And so I want to just begin there and say, if we walk through this this evening and it doesn't invite you, if you find yourself being one who says, you know, I've read the Bible, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't understand it, don't get anything out of it, then I want to tell you, I love you. I really, really do. And I want you to get saved because that you, you need that. If you find nothing in the scripture, then it would be a pretty clear calling that that would be, hey, you, you don't yet have a relationship with him because I know this. You know, when you, when you know him, it just begins to open up even a little, you know, even a little there that would be very, very helpful. So I invite you here at the very outset, if it just sounds like we're just covering technical things, like these are skills that you could learn anywhere, it's not. It really is spiritual. You have to have a relationship with him and everything we are walking through, we need the help of the Spirit to understand. So those are a couple things that are absolutely essential. Then I want to just kind of remind you again that we get a chance and hopefully to read the whole of the scriptures. I hope to encourage you to be one that is consistently and continually reading the word of God, just reading it, knowing it. I've encouraged that each week. I want to take time just to say it again. There is power and help just in reading the scripture. Be one who does that. 
but we're also talking about how you then understand it or study it. So when we think about what that looks like, we're, we're talking, okay, sometimes you just read it. Maybe you're reading you know, a chapter or you're reading you know, several chapters. Then you're going to take a, a piece of it and study. That's what we're talking about this evening, where you're going to take a verse or you're going to take a sentence and say, I want to understand what this means. How do I know and how do I let this work into my life? So this, what we're talking about now is that. But it's, you know, again, it's not the whole. You know, the whole is that the Word of God should be a, you know, just so much a part of our lives. But once we're wanting to say, okay, I want to dive in. And maybe this would be a daily thing. I hope it would be. Where even just in, in little spaces, you would say, okay, I'm going to take a scripture. I'm going to take a verse. And I just want to understand it. I want to understand what God has to say to me. And so in that place, we're coming with this approach of studying the scriptures. Now, it's not original with me. It's been around for, for generations. You know, it's, it's really been the way God's made us. And, and get any book on how to study the Bible, it'll probably walk you through the same thing, that there are three spaces of understanding the, the Bible. Observation, interpretation, application. I already have them written in there on the booklet for you, which is in a sense saying, okay, what does it say? What does it mean? What do I do? To be a good student of the scriptures, you need to do all three of these areas. And to do them well, you're going to have to do them intentionally. You're going to have to do them intentionally. You're going to have to take a scripture and do your best to observe it, then interpret it, and then apply it. And so if you take nothing else, if you end this four-week study and a lot of the other stuff doesn't land, but you only get this, and you try to do that intentionally as best as you can, I want to tell you it's going to go well for you. It's a good beginning to at least say, okay, I want to read it, I want to try to understand it, and then I want to try to apply it, and, and do each of those things very, very intentionally. That first week, we walked through keys on observations, just ways where you would just look at the Scripture. And we talked to you about it, that in one sense, this is just you in the Bible time, where you just take a verse or a section of Scripture and you just read it. You read it again and again. You read it patiently. You make notes. You write down everything you can think of. You do it intentively, just imaginatively. You can read it in other translations. But once more, if you're doing this, this is a space where you're going to give a little bit of time to just you and the Scripture. No other, tech, no other tools, no other spaces yet. You're going you're gonna to take a pen or paper, or you're going to type it out on a computer, and you're just going to make observations. You're going to notice everything uh, you can about that. And again, it's a powerful part of it, huge part. I hope for some of you, you've already begun doing that. And all by itself, you would begin to discover how powerful this is. Now, if you do this, and maybe some of you have already been doing this, let me just pause and say, hey, this is a place where you're just trying to glean everything you can. And so you're making notes, you're asking questions, you're looking at things. It very well might be that you write down some observations, and by the time you get done with this, you're going to realize that was a really dumb observation. <laughs> that wasn't true. Like I read the verse and I thought it was saying this. And then now that I study it out, I begin to find out that's not what it means. If that has not happened to you, then you haven't done a really good job observing. Because there ought to be a place that you're looking at thinking, I'm wondering what this means. Why does it say it this way? And you're looking at verses and you're trying to understand it, but you're just gathering all the information you can. I've likened it to a detective showing up on a crime scene. And so the observation is that moment where you're just gathering 
all the stuff you can. You know, sweeping everything into the little bags, taking pictures, like, okay, I wonder what this is. And you're going to take those back, you know, to the crime lab and try to process some of what those are. But at this moment, you're just like, what does it say? I just want to pay attention to it, looking at the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, and anything that's in the midst of that. I just want to invite you to that. So if you missed that and you want more on that, go back to our first week, and it'll help you with that observation. But once you've done that, then you want to switch gears, and you want to begin to say, so what does it actually mean? We spent some time last week just reminding you that it does mean something. Uh, that it does mean something. It's not something that means anything. It's not, not something that means different things to different people. Ultimately, God said what he said. He meant what he said. And our goal is to understand it. So I gave you five things. Five things that I just kind of begin with season. These are mine. Um, so again, if you go to the Bible, uh, you know, a, a Christian bookstore, or you go online and you buy a book on how to study the Bible, it will have these probably in one format or another. Some will have, you know, five. Some will have eight. Uh, number of things. I've just very practically worked it into five things, and I did them all with, with a, you know, kind of alliteration because it just helps me to remember because I literally do this every day. Uh, and so it's a good space just to, to walk through these five things that if you're going to seek to understand a passage, you've done your observations, then you want to do five things. Then you want to do five things that are going to help you understand what that verse or section actually means. Last week, we did that first part. Last week, we did the most technical. If it scared you last week, I apologize. But I'm just telling you, it was the most technical. It was like, how do you get into the original languages? How do you understand Greek, Hebrew? How do you find some of those things? It's not impossible. It really, really is accessible uh, in our generation. And honestly, just telling you, if you did it just for a little while, you'd find it's not that hard. It's not that I can get there pretty rapidly. I can begin to understand it. And so it might just simply be that you take the verse that you've looked at and you look up a few of the key words. Uh, you're looking up some of the, the, the Greek or Hebrew words and the sources that are available to you and just knowing that words mean something. Getting answers to that would be entirely helpful. So we spent time on that. If that is something, again, that you're still trying to figure out there's last week's message. You can go back, get the, 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 on YouTube or on our website, be able to walk it through so you could understand how to define words. Now, the rest of the evening, we're going to hit the other four. They're not as complicated, but they're so very, very important. So everything pretty much at this point has been recap, just telling you, okay, this is where we've been. Here's where we are. We're going to talk about understanding a verse in its context. Understanding a verse in its context. And as we think about that, I want to just let you think about just four things with me. And maybe just the first one is so incredibly simple, but just understand this. Words, verses taken out of context, they can absolutely be twisted. Now, the reality is I don't have to spend a long time convincing you of this, at least I hope, because it's probably happened to you. Somebody has walked into a conversation that you were having with somebody, and they only heard part of the conversation. And they're like, I can't believe you believe that. It's like, I don't believe that. If you'd been here for the entire conversation, you would have understood what I'm saying. Or maybe you've even you know, had these kind of things where you're, just, you're, you're telling somebody something, but it's you know, couched in a longer kind of place, and then they only pick up one of them. And I know that everyone here has had one of those frustrations, and you're like, were you listening? I mean, did you not understand? Yes, I said that, but I said this in the context of, I also said this, this, and this. 
So you can't take what I said and you know, make it stand alone. We were having a conversation. And so again, all of us have had that happen to us. All of us have had somebody misunderstand us, take something we said out of context, and hopefully you even now can feel that frustration. Well, I wonder if that's how God feels sometimes. Like, hey, don't, don't take my words out of context, but that's exactly what can happen. Understanding this, taking verses out of context is one of the most common mistakes that people make with the Scriptures. It was one of the greatest tools to lead people into error. Again, as you think about the five things of Bible interpretation, I just want to tell you right now, if you do this one, you'll be rescued. Because one of the biggest ways that people get the Scriptures wrong is they take Scriptures out of the context. Um, and so some of that happens because of the culture in which we live in. So again, hopefully, you know, you kind of understand as a church, you know, we try to work through the scriptures. We work through verse by verse. We work through a chapter or work through books. And so you're hopefully seeing it in this context. But some of you have been a part of churches where you know, hey, you know, come to church on Sunday morning and it's just a random text. I mean, you take a text and just it's, you know, from anywhere. And, and so, you know, you somehow you just, your know, verses as if they live all by themselves. And the, there's an incredible danger to that. Unless someone who does that does it very, very well and bringing it in there, there's always a danger of taking verses out of their context. Because you, you can take it and twist it entirely uh, from, 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 from what, you know, is being said. Entirely from the things that are there. Um, let me just give you a few examples. I, I meant to put one on the screen and I forgot, but I'll just toss it out. Um, so there's a verse that says that, you know, like the whole world is giving gifts to one another. It's kind of a funny little verse. And the, the funny thing is if you just take that verse all by itself, it almost sounds like Christmas. In fact, literally true. Like I found it on a Christmas card. Like, you know, the whole world was just giving gifts to one another. And that the funny thing is it's given in Revelation chapter 12 in the midst of the Antichrist who is overthrowing, killing the two witnesses. And, and the whole world is excited over, you know, the rebellion. I just want to tell you, there's no way you can take that and go, well, that's a good Christmas verse. You know, that's a great, everybody should send gifts to one another. It's just, that's not what the verse is about. But let me give you a few other ones that are a little bit more tangible or they are very often misunderstood. So we think about it this way. Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably one of those verses. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's a great verse. It's a great verse that people put on plaques. They have them on their walls. Probably some of you do. Probably some of you have it there. Uh, it's often given out as graduation presents. It's a great kind of verse, but the problem is it can be misunderstood. See, if you just read this verse all by itself, it might sound like, hey, I just have such great plans for your life. It's going to go stellarly. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I have thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to give you a future and a hope. If you only took that verse by itself, you think, well, that sounds grand. Unless you read the whole chapter. If you read the whole chapter, God is telling uh, the nation of Israel, I'm about to do the worst thing that you've ever known. I'm about to send you into captivity. I'm uprooting you from the land of Israel. I'm sending you into a Babylonian captivity. I am tearing away your home. I am tearing down everything else you know. And I just want you to know it's going to be the worst thing that you have ever gone through. But I have a plan. 
I have a plan. This isn't how I want to leave you. The, the, the hardest thing you're about to go through, God is saying in Jeremiah 29, 11, is not because I'm not doing something good. I am doing something good in the midst of the incredibly hard thing I'm about to send you into. Now, again, it's a good verse. It's a good verse to think about God's kindness. But again, if you catch it in its context, it just changes it a little bit. Now, again, it's not wrong to have it on a plaque. And I, it's not bad to kind of, you know, have cards or that or any of those things. But I just, sometimes I just find it funny. It's just like, okay, like, you know, give this out as a graduation present. You're about to go through the terriblest thing you've ever... No, it's just... I mean, but it's... I mean, in the midst of it, God is just saying, you might interpret life as I, I'm trying to destroy you. I am not. I have an end. I know where this is going. I know what I want for my people, and I see what, where this is going, but you're going to have to trust me in the midst of things you're about to go through. So it's a good verse, but it, don't take it as a, you know, peppy you know, hey, everything's going to go well for you. It's not what it's saying. It's not in its context. Let me do another one. So Philippians 4, uh, another one that's greatly misused. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Taken out of its context, it just has become kind of one of these verses. It's like, you know, you can be anything you want to be, you know, you you know, like, and and so it's, hey, this is January. And so actually, literally, uh, you could go on social media and you would find Philippians 4.13, hashtag fitness, like, hey, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Like, like I could just, you know, I can go out there and I'm going to tear down these, these you know, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to, you know, build up muscle. This is not what he's talking about. This isn't a promise that God will help you be anything you want to be. This is actually saying, Paul's saying, you know, no matter what life throws at me, I can do it. Uh, he, in fact, in the midst of it, he says, hey, I can be abased. You know, I mean, I can bounce, but I could be abased. I could have nothing. But it's not... You know, wherever I am, God will carry me through that. I know he will always be enough for me. That even in the hard spaces of life, he will be that which sustains me. It's a good truth, but it's not so much a truth of, hey, you can be anything you want, but that God will never leave you. And and if you'll lean into him, he will always be that strength of your life, even in hard spaces. So again, it's just a different verse that means different than sometimes people go to, but you've got to understand the context, because in the midst of it, Paul is processing how he's viewing that, how he's viewing even the church financially supporting him, and he's saying, hey, I, I could live with this, I could live without it. I don't need it, because I don't live off of your supply, I live off of his. I live off of his, and it's a good space for us to think through. One more, just to give you an example So one of the most misused verses probably is in Matthew 7, verse 1, where Jesus says, hey, judge not that you be not judged. It is probably something you've had somebody even tell you. Uh, You know, maybe you're talking about, hey, you know, I don't know if you should really be, you know, sleeping with your girlfriend. I don't know if you, I mean, it's like, hey, you're doing something wrong. And someone, hey, you shouldn't judge me. You know, like you're Christians, you're not supposed to judge me. That's a verse taken out of its context. So, if again, if you go into the context, it's again at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus applying it, and he goes on to say, hey, first deal with yourself, then you can help others. First confront yourself, then you can do others. And then he goes on to say, uh, he gives, gives an illustration, like a tree is known by its fruit. The way you know a good tree is because it has good fruit. And so in one sense, the judging isn't being where you can't look at somebody's life and go, ah, that's wrong. It's the idea that I I can't see you. I can't see in the motives. I can't judge what's really there. But I can look at the outside and say, well, the fruit isn't good. (laughs) Like, I I, I can judge a tree by its fruit. And so to take this verse to say that I can't be critical or I can't point out sin, 
it's entirely out of context. It's totally not what it's saying. And again, just a very quick, good example. So hundreds more I could give, but I'll just simply say it to you this way. If you will learn to be someone that says, hey, a verse has a context, and God means what he says, he said what he meant, and he said it in the context he said it, and you can't make it mean something else other than that. Just being there all by itself will be incredibly, incredibly helpful, and it will rescue you. It'll rescue you from so many lies that permeate the church today. So be one that recognizes that. So again, just saying it this way, uh, kind of as my third little point there, every verse has a context that God spoke it in, and that context determines its interpretation. Every verse has a context. Every verse has a context, and you can't make it say something else than what it says. So follow the flow of thought. Follow it in the sentence, the paragraph, the chapter, the book. This doesn't have to be something incredibly complex, although for some of you, that will work great for you, and you want to be complex. But just understand, if you're taking a verse, many times a verse is a part of a bigger sentence. See the whole sentence. Follow it through. Follow the paragraph. Like, okay, so what is it we're talking about? You know, where, what, what is the issue that's being addressed? Follow it in the midst of the chapter, and sometimes even in the book. Because just understanding the book of the Bible... For example, if you're taking a verse out of the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to have to understand the whole theme of the book because it's one large argument uh, about living a life outside of God. And if you take one verse and take it out of the whole, you'll misunderstand. If you take a proverb out of the book of Proverbs and you don't understand, hey, this is a proverb. Proverbs aren't always promises. They are wisdom. You, you need to understand the context with where things are given. And so sometimes just understanding that, just asking the question, it will it'll rescue you. It'll be very, very helpful. And if you do this, you'll find yourself thinking, that's not what it says. And I think I understand. I mean, I can just, I can follow the logic. I can follow the train of thought. So as best as you can, just read a verse in its context. Read it before, read it after, and try to follow the flow of thought. It, it's there. It's not that complicated, and most of you, just if you try, you'll be amazed. Like, well, that's, that's actually not that hard. I think I understand where we are, and seeing it in the midst of that is incredibly helpful. All right, so that's the second of the C's. So you're going to study a verse, you're going to look at some words, you're going to tackle context, you know, make sure that you see it in the midst of it. Again, incredibly helpful. Let's take it to the third one. So we're going to talk just in a sense that it's always about Jesus. Now, I want to just pause and say it this way. The order of these five, it's not an order of importance. It's not like, hey, this is the most important, and then we're moving to less important. Um, But they are the order with which I do it. And and so, again, maybe it will work differently for you, but when I'm tackling a text of of, of Scripture, this is exactly the order in which I do it. I do my observations. Then I look up words. You know, then look words. Then I try to make sure I get the context, and then at that moment, I pause you know, into maybe the most important detail. But for me, it works better to get here because I've already been processing it. But maybe the most important detail is it really is always about Jesus. It really is. That's what Jesus said, right? So he spoke to the Pharisees who were wrestling through Scripture, wrestling through things, and he says, hey, you search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but these are that which testify of me. He says, okay, if you're going to look for this and you're going to try to figure out life, then you have to understand everything is pointing to Jesus. Everything is pointing to Jesus. 
It, it always is. In fact, in the book of Revelation, uh, you know, it happens again. John is there. He makes a incredible faux pas of just beginning to worship an angel. An angel has to correct him right at the end of it there in the book of Revelation. And he says, hey, I'm your fellow servant. And if you're brethren, we have the testimony of Jesus. Like, that's what we're about. You should worship God for the testimony of Jesus. It's the very spirit of prophecy. It's the very heartbeat of all scripture. It's the very heartbeat of all, all prophecy. That to, to look at it that way is to understand it should always get us to Jesus. Now, sometimes it'll be very, very simple. You'll look at a verse and you should just ask the question, like, how do I see Jesus? How do I, how do I get to Jesus from this verse? Sometimes it's really, really easy. Other times it's a little harder, but it's always there. There's always a thread. There's a scarlet thread of redemption that runs through the whole scripture. And so instead of just giving you a, a number of techniques for it, I'm just going to encourage you to do it. You need to look at it. Sometimes it's an example. Sometimes you see something and you see Jesus. I think about Sunday. If you were with us Sunday, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we talked about how God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And we did this. We pulled on it, and then we said, hey, if you can see this, then you see Christ. That is what he is. He's the one that, that you know, entered into our world, took on all of the sin, took on all the place, and was tempted in all manners we are so that he could bring us comfort. And so we're walking in the same thing. It's an image of Jesus. We pulled on the thread and we found him. Sometimes you'll read a verse and it's going to like, hey, you see something that's opposite. Like, hey, this is going to lead me to my need for Jesus. It's going to be one of those things that shows me how empty I am without him and hundreds of ways it can get there. But I just want to encourage you. Hey, look for it and ask him. Ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit, who is the one who's teaching us, like, how do I see Jesus here? How do I get to Jesus here? And again, it's always there. It is always about Christ, and it would be incredibly helpful just to take some time to look for it, and it's the best part. I mean, in one sense, I don't know how this lands for you, but I think about what we just sang a few moments ago. All I have is Christ, that everything that I need is in him. So sometimes when I can get there, it's like, oh, it's, it's almost like you step into a fresh breath of just, yeah, that's what I needed. <laughs> I needed to see Jesus. I needed to be led to his feet again. I needed to be finding myself in Christ. I, I find all of it is that, and it's incredibly helpful to just very intentionally take any verse and ask it. How, what, what are you showing me about Jesus? How do I get here to Jesus from you? And you will find it because it's always there. Jesus said so. And it's worth, again, just noting that. And you'll get better and better as you, as you, as you do that. Okay. So you're studying a verse. You've observed it. You've looked up some words. You've looked at the context. You've paused and you've said, how do I get to Jesus? How do I, how do I, how do I get there? And then you're going to do the fourth thing. That is that you're going to compare this with other scriptures. Um, that because the Bible never contradicts itself, you know, God, He's given us His Word, and so sometimes the best commentary on the Scriptures is the Scripture. Like if you want to understand the Bible, then taking other verses that speak into that will be very, very helpful. So how do you do that? Well, let me just give you a few techniques, and, and then we'll continue. So if you're going to do this, first of all, can I just say it? Just find the verses that the Holy Spirit brings to mind, because He's the teacher. So if you're studying a verse, just sometimes it all just happens. Like, I think, I'm thinking, you know, this verse makes me think of another verse. You know, this verse makes me think of another, find it. You know, go and find those verses. Go and find what they are. So how do you do that? Well, I just want to take a quick moment. 
if you're using an app uh, on your phone or, or, or tablet or, or, or computer, if you're using, you know, uh, on the internet or software, whatever it is, you should become familiar with how to do searches, just whatever that looks like. So if you're going to use, like, let's just say the Bible app that we talked about that first week, you would pull up, a, you know, the Bible app, and there's just two places. You can either do it up at the top where it has a little magnifying glass or it has, again, at the bottom. You'd pull it up, and you could just do a search. Like you're thinking of a verse, and maybe just part of a phrase is in your mind. Type it in there. And, and do your best to find it. So, you know, sometimes it'll try to search through other plans, so you'll have to you know, lock that one down to just looking through the Scripture, but it can be helpful. Uh, one of the other ones that we talked a lot about is the Blue Letter Bible. We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it in a couple spaces tonight. Um, free, online, you can pull there. You can get it on, on your computer or phone. Go there, and the very first thing you get is, hey, search the Bible. So let's say you're studying a verse, and a verse has come to mind, and you don't know where it is. Find it. Learn how to use a search engine, and it will be very, very helpful. It'll be a place of where you can do that and would be in the space of that. Now, that being said, I just want to be really, really honest with you uh, that for me, honestly, um, Google works better than almost anything else. I mean, I hope that's okay to just tell you that. You know, it's like, you know, but the problem with searching a, a search engine is you have to remember the verse and the translation that you remembered in. And if you're like me, I got like multiple translations that flow in my brain. And, and so sometimes trying to find the verse, it's like, I, I can't remember, you know, but Google works great. I mean, I use it literally every day. So like a verse is just roughly in my brain. I'll just type it in. I'll just start typing the words, hit search. Sometimes you have to, you know, if you're doing that and it doesn't immediately find a Bible verse, just type in the few words that you remember and then type in Bible verse. And nine times out of 10, it's the first one or two little hits right there. Works really, really good. So again, hey, just for me, it works better and it's quicker. It is, it is super fast, you know, so I can, I can find a verse because it's like right there. I have a, a phrase that's in my head. It's like, I know there's a verse and it says something like, well, I, just find, I just Google it, find it, and then I'll open it up in a, in a, in a Bible app or in a, in a software and I'll, and I'll go from there. I will do what I just encouraging you here. If I find a verse that is helping me understand the verse I'm looking at, I'll copy and paste it into my study because I use the computer or my iPad. And so it's really, you know, I'm finding verses. And so I don't copy every verse that I can possibly, but the ones that are like, oh yeah, this helps. This helps me understand the verse I'm looking at. And so I'll just have a little section of where I just put in a bunch of, of cross-references. So begin there. Just begin in a place, is there any verses coming to mind? Is there anything that the Holy Spirit is? You're trying to figure out a verse that another verse comes to mind. Um, then you might just look up the verses that are noted in your Bible. So most of your Bibles, one way or another, uh, you have, this is like a, a picture out of my Bible. And so at my Bible, at the bottom, it puts all these cross-references, you know, kind of footnoted up into the Scripture. So look those up. I mean, it's a great place to go. Some of you will be more like a center column reference. That's what those are. That's why they're there. They are verses that your Bible translator said, hey, this is a good verse that'll help you understand the verse that you're reading. Hey, you should look those up. That would be very, very helpful. So, so look those up. That's helpful. <coughs> but you should go a little bit further. One of the tools that is incredibly helpful is called a treasury of scripture knowledge. It's actually a book form that you can get. I don't encourage you to use a book form because it would take so long. If you use any kind of Bible software, it will be embedded in there. Figure out how to use it. But since I've been encouraging the Blue Letter Bible, I just want to show you how to do it on the Blue Letter Bible because it's free. 
You can do it on any computer. You can do it on your phone or, or, or tablet. So let's just kind of go there to the Blue Letter Bible. Let's just say we wanted to look up some cross-references to Psalm 19.7, which is where we began this evening, where we were talking about Scripture. So I would type in Psalm 19.7. I'm going to put the New King James Version in there because that's what I'm using as my Bible translation. So I click that, it opens it up, gives me the, the, the scriptures, you know, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, if I want to start using the tools, I will just click that little thing that says tools. Like, how do I, I want to unpack this verse. I want to under, unpack some things there. So you do that, it'll immediately bring you up to the inner linear, which is what we did last week. That was understanding Greek or Hebrew words, depending on where you are in the text. But I just want to highlight cross-references, because it's going to give you a whole tab there that's going to tell you, hey, here's cross-references. So you pull it over there, and it'll tell you it's the treasury of Scripture knowledge. So it'll put the little verse there, and then it will go down. And the way the treasury of Scripture knowledge does is it takes a word out of the text that you're looking at and gives you verses that would be helpful into that word. So you would take law, and it would give you all those verses, or perfect, and it would give you those verses, and converting, and give you those verses. So again, depending on what you're looking at, trying to find help in, that maybe in the verse you're looking at, you're looking for help, you might know where that is. Now, the nice thing about the Blue Letter Bible is it gives the list of, the re- of all those references down there, but then they're all there. So you just keep scrolling. You can just keep scrolling, and they're actually there in the translation that you opened up, and so you could just look at all the different, you know, here's law and all the different verses that kind of go to that. I would just read through that, and if there's a verse that's like, oh, that's helpful, that's really helpful in understanding the verse that I'm in, I just kind of copy and paste it into there. It's a great way to do it, and I just want to tell you, in this technological age, you can do this really fast. I mean, I wish I could just tell you how quickly this takes place now. See, I used to do this before I had Bible software. I literally had a treasury of scripture knowledge, which was this book, and you open it up, and then you got the references, and then you're flipping in your Bible to all, and it took forever. It's really, really helpful, but it took, this 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 is so quick, and it's so accessible, and really, honestly, it just opens it up because we have the word, the whole Bible that really just God gave it to us so that we can understand it, that there's a flow here that flows in the whole thing. So one of the best things you can do is just to do that well. I'll give you one other just as a quick FYI. Uh, The next thing we're going to talk about is commentaries, but many times commentaries will mention verses as well. I look those up also um, because you know, just because they put a reference doesn't mean it makes sense to me. And the nice thing if you're using, you know, like Bible software, like Blue Letter Bible, anything, you can just kind of put your mouse over it. Anytime there's a reference and it pops up, it's like, oh, okay. That is what it's talking about. It's really, really helpful. Very, very nice. And so again, just letting the scripture be the best help to the scripture. And again, it just, it really is great because you'll, you'll find that Outside of that, sometimes you would take a verse and, and go to some extreme, like you would take a verse and take it outside of it, but you come back to the letting the scripture, like, no, no, this is balancing it. I can see how this, okay, this is working, and, and the whole of scripture flows together without any contradictions and beautiful in, in the way that it does. So just being someone who lets the Bible be the best commentary on the Bible is really, really helpful. Okay. You guys doing all right? I hope I haven't scared anybody. I hope you're kind of thinking, okay, this is, I'm hoping you're finding out it's not that hard. This is not hard. So let's just pause again and catch up. So we've picked a verse we're going to study. We took some time to observe it. Then we looked up words. We looked up words. If anything was there, we, we looked at the context. We've said, okay, how does it get me to Jesus? 
We've tried to look at some other verses that will maybe help us understand it. Now, the last thing we want to do is we want to consult. These are study Bibles, commentaries, uh, looking at other sources. So I want to give you six quick things on this uh, that will be helpful. First of all, can I just pause again and tell you the order that I'm giving this to you I think is important, and I would like to strongly encourage, make this your last step of Bible interpretation. Some of you know how it works because uh, the temptation is you're looking at a verse, you're trying to understand it, and the easiest thing is just go immediately to commentary. Like, I just want to see what the commentary says about it. I'm just going to look down at my study Bible. You know, that just, you know, and and I, sometimes if you're just, if that's a quick thing, you need quick help that's there, but you are shortcutting the, the growth there because studying it yourself, there's nothing like it. Digging into yourself and, and so forcing yourself to say, I'm you know, not going to do this first. I'm going to look at some words. I'm going to look at the context. I'm going to ask how it gets me to Jesus. I'm going to look at some other verses. And then and only then am I going to look at other sources. That said, do this. See, in one sense, I, I, I kind of recognizing I'm talking to two different people and two different extremes. So let me just say it again. There are some of you that will be very, very tempted to look immediately at your commentary or immediately at your study Bible, and I'm just telling you, don't do that. You are, you are shortcutting yourself from reading the Scripture yourself. But then there's going to be somebody else who gets kind of spiritually arrogant. You're like, I don't read none of those commentaries. I study the Bible all by myself. You know, I don't need anybody else's help because I looked up the words, and I, and I read the context, and I don't need any. That's foolish. I mean, God has given us the whole body of Christ. They, I mean, God has given us teachers. God has given us people who can speak into that to, to say that we don't need what, what God has provided in that is utterly foolish. Uh, and, and so, again, if that is you, just don't be that person. Don't be that person who, who, who sees yourself as the be-all, end-all. Be one that says, okay, I'm going to look. I'm going to look at some other spaces now. I'm going to get help and, and value what that would speak into that. And so in that, I would like to give you just a practicality and say, if you're going to study a scripture, try to look at at least three other sources. Now, you might look at a lot more. I often do. Uh, but at least three. Don't make it just one. Don't just pick your favorite commentary or study Bible and stop with that because then it's just equally dangerous. You're only getting one uh, voice that speaks into this. So at least do three. If you're going to study a verse, at least take time to look at three different sources. So how do you find those sources? Well, this is going to be a little bit more technical, maybe just kind of in a lot of different ways, but I'll just kind of say that's a good place for Bible software. If you are going to use Bible software, commentaries are amazing because it just gives you a, a very good way of doing that. But there's also free sources. So let me just kind of quickly remind you about the Blue Letter Bible, and I'll just show you where it is. So we were doing this a moment ago. We were looking at Psalm 19.7, and, and we saw the interlinear. We talked about cross-references, and you just might notice it has commentaries. So you just click that tab, and it'll take you there. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, it's not the most helpfully organized. I mean, I like the, a lot of that stuff. In the commentary section, it, it's a little bit overwhelming uh, in the sense that it just gives you a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of different things that sometimes can be a little overwhelming, but it's free. So, hey, you, if you can figure out how to use that and, and walk you through some of the good commentaries, uh, that would be a good space for you to try. Um, one of the commentaries that will be in the Blue Letter Bible uh, is David Guzik's commentary. Uh, he is uh, 
was a pastor of the Calvary Chapel in Santa Barbara before that Simi Valley, and he is just an incredibly good Bible teacher who has put together a commentary set across the whole scriptures. And, and you can buy it, you know, in different Bible software, but it's free online. And, and so you can get it in the Blue Letter Bible, but if you want to go to a website and, and just kind of bookmark this on your uh, computer or whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to do it. It's EnduringWord.com. So I'll just show you how it works. So you pull up EnduringWord.com. This is David Guzik. Right up at the top right there, you'll see uh, just where it says commentary. You click that where it says commentary, and it'll pull up every book of the Bible. And then you just go. Pick your Bible, your, your, your book, your, your chapter, and, and it's there. And he does a good job just working through a number of things. So it's a, very, it's a free commentary. Highly recommend uh, if you're looking for that as one of your sources. What else should you do? Well, again, there's so many sources. And at this moment, uh, I just want to tell you um, that there's a number that you could choose. So I'm just going to toss out some things here, and it's going to be helpful for a couple people and a few people it's going to overwhelm. Please don't get overwhelmed, but I just want to walk you through it. That I want to highly recommend a couple of sources. Uh, so I would highly recommend Warren Wiersbe. If you're going to buy a commentary, if you want to buy it, whether you're going to buy it in print form or electronic, I would highly recommend Warren Wiersbe. So I'll just pull it up. Like, if you went today on christianbook.com, this is Warren Wiersbe's. You can get his entire commentary for about 80 bucks. It's actually on sale right now, so I don't get anything off that. So I'm not just... just if you're a book person, hey, that's a good place to go because it's usually about 200 bucks. The bad side is if you want it electronically, it's still running about the 200 bucks. Um, and they go up and down, sales move it back and forth. But if you're someone who says, I want to buy this on Logos, you could go and buy the entire New Testament series for about 35 bucks. And the Old Testament, it's the expensive one for about 160. But again, just telling you, hey, these are there. And, and so they're good sources that you can go through. I love Warren Wiersbe. He's, he's a guy that just is able to kind of keep things grounded and does a really, really good job interpreting it. He's a go-to for me. Like I will never, I mean, he will always be one of the ones that I look at. It's like, okay, what does Wiersbe have to say about this? Not the only one I look at, but I, I, I always go to a Wiersbe. A couple others that are just helpful. Sometimes having what they call kind of either one volume or two volume commentary set of the Bible is helpful because it just, it, it's short, it's brief, but it'll help you understand it. I'm just going to highlight a couple that we use. Uh, one of them is called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It's kind of put out by Dallas Theological and uh, just did a good job with it. And if you ever want to just kind of check this out, we have it in our library in there. So just if you want to go say, I, want, I don't want to buy it before I go look at it. Just go and look at it, you know, or you can buy it electronically as well. Again, it's just a good commentary. Sometimes it's a quick reference that you're going to go there. Another one that I like that I use often is the Believer's Bible Commentary uh, by William McDonald. Same thing. We have it in there in the library. So if you want to check it out and see, do I like this? Is it something that I find helpful? If not, find one that you do. Find a num number of commentaries. Again, sometimes single volume, sometimes very in-depth commentaries. In fact, for anybody that I could just really scare you to how much this would cost, um, there's some great ones. But if I were ever to encourage somebody like, you know, to buy one of the best ones that I would highly recommend, I would highly recommend the USB handbook, which is one that was written for translators of the scripture, but it's really, really expensive. It's like 800 bucks for the whole set. So again, if you're really looking to just think about, you know, 800 bucks into it, it's a good one. Very, very good because it, it, it works through and tries to help un, unpack this for if you're, if you're a Bible translator. That said, there's so many more. If you ever want to ask me like, hey, Jim, is this a good commentary? I'd love to help. But I just want to tell you, as long as you're picking like two, three, four, five just good ones, 
Like just, you know, so you go on the Blue Letter Bible, and you maybe read Matthew Henry, or you look at some of Chuck Smith's notes that are in there, David Guzik, and you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to look at a few places, and it's just, you know, as you grow into it, I just want to tell you, it needs to be something that you're doing. It needs to be something you do. Uh, some of you would be your study Bible, you know, whether it be, you know, kind of the ESV study Bible or MacArthur study Bible. Hey, do that. You know, make it so that you're just, that this is a place you're going to say, okay, what are they saying about this? Where is that going with that? Look at this. Make sure you do at least three of those that will help you do that. Now, with that, a few quick thoughts. Don't believe everything you read in a commentary. Don't believe everything you read in the commentary. I know that probably makes sense, but the Bible is inspired commentaries or not. The Bible is always accurate, but not everything that people say is accurate. I hope that's okay to say that. Uh, but, you know, everybody can, can kind of be that way. Don't take everything I say as, as like, you know, like, well, Joe, I need to see it in the Scripture. I need to kind of work that way because it ought to be that way. Don't believe it all. Just because it says it, um, be like, hmm, I need, to, I need to see that. I need to get there. I love the way uh, Martin Luther, when he was you know, championing the Protestant Reformation and was really dealing with the whole kind of pressing of the Catholic Church, he said, you know, hey, convince me through the Scriptures. Hey, you convince me what the Bible has to say. If you can convince me through the Scriptures, I'll change anything in my life. But I need, I, I need to clearly understand it in the Scripture, not just because you said so, not just because somebody said, so I need to see it. And there ought to be a space that you get that. So don't believe everything you read. Uh, one of the things that's helpful in, in reading is that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in, in the midst of it, uh, you will find historical background, things that you would never have known uh, without the help of a commentary. That's really, really helpful. So notice those things. But I'm going to quickly pause and say this. Always take that with a grain of salt. Again, this is a little bit more technical than we want to really get into tonight, but I just want to say it to you this way. If there's some historical background that you really need to have, it'll be somewhere else in the Scripture. It'll be somewhere else in the Scripture. If somebody's going to you know, make their interpretation of the Bible stand on an historical background that we have nowhere to get that in the Scripture, I am always a little bit leery. It's like, hmm, God knew. God knew that we would have the scriptures, and, and I believe it's going to be there. So, you know, yes, sometimes give me a historical background, but then I can see it played out somewhere else in scripture. It's very, very helpful. So just as a little aside, you know, always take it there, but look for those things because they give help. And then just kind of lastly, in this idea of consulting, one of the things you're doing at this moment, because this is the last thing you're doing in your Bible study, is it should be confirming some of what you've already figured out. Because you've observed the text, you've looked up words, you've read it in its context, you've figured out what Christ, where it gets to Christ, you've found other verses, and so you're probably getting a pretty good understanding at this moment about what the verse is actually saying. Well, a commentary should come along and say, good job. <laughs> and you'll be like, I, got, I did it. I figured it out. And it's, like, and it's really, really encouraging. And I'll just say it this way. If you get to the commentaries and they are saying something entirely different than what you were thinking, well, you might be wrong. I mean, don't, don't, don't just immediately go there. It's like, hey, convince me through the scriptures. But it should be that kind of place like, huh, I kind of thought it was saying this, and nobody else is thinking it's saying this. I, should, I need to rethink it. Again, I need to see it in the scripture. I'm not going to take somebody else's word for it. I need to understand the Bible. But commentaries is one of the helpful things, and it's like, hmm, yeah, 
I thought it was going, I thought it was saying something entirely different and nobody else agrees with me. It's terrible that they're all wrong. You know, uh, you know, it's just like, no, 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 I should be like, hey, maybe I'm, you know, like, okay, this is going to be a little corrective. And so it's very, very helpful and it can rescue us from error. Okay. So we're thinking about this whole thing, and we're looking at these five things, and again, I'm just wanting to give them to you. I hope they're not sounding overwhelming, because I don't think they are. Uh, I recognize for some of you that you're already doing this. Um, Some of you have not been, but I will say, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Uh, you know, and it, and it just happens pretty simple, and it's not a complicated thing. I just want to encourage you to it. I think of how it gives it to us in the book of Acts, where Paul is preaching there in the city of Berea, and it says they were more fair-minded uh, than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. It's one of these great verses that says, you know, here's this group of people that listened to what Paul had to say and go, huh, I'm gonna go check that out. You know, I'm not just going to believe it because you said so. You know, like you said it, that's interesting. I'm going to go look at that. I want to go look at the scriptures to make sure that's what it's saying. And the fascinating thing, it says, therefore, because they were doing that, many people believed. I mean, it, it, was, it was salvation bringing, faith bringing, because many of them believed and not a few of the Greeks and even prominent women, like this was available to all of them and they, because they took the scriptures and they said, hey, I, want, I need to see it in the scripture. I need to see it in the scripture. But when they did that, it not only grew them understanding, but it grew them in their, their whole space of it. You know, I think about one of my uh, jobs as a pastor. It gives it to us in Ephesians 4 that Jesus gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He says, I want you to equip them. I want you to build them up. And he just simply gives it to us this way. He says, here's what he longs for, that you would no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If you will become a Bible student, this will be you. If you'll become one that says, I know my Bible, and somebody misuses a text and they take it out of its context and they make it say something or not, you'll be like, mm, no, <laughs> that is not what it's talking about. And he says, you're going to be caught, you're, you're going to be rescued from cunning, craftiness of deceitful plotting, people trickery. Yeah, I wish it didn't happen. It does. But God doesn't want it to be that way. He wants us to be those who goes on to say, hey, we're speaking the truth in love that we grow up into all things who is the head, Christ. And, and that's where we're being invited to. That's what this looks like. And that's what we get. So we've been walking through this. We began with observation. We came to interpretation. We have one more, but that's for next week. But please understand, it doesn't stop just where we were. The, the, the last piece of the puzzle is to become someone who's good at Bible application. So we will dive into that next week as we finish up our study. But once more, it is this observation, interpretation, application. Well, I've used up my time. I thought about taking questions, but I used up all my time. So if you have questions, you can ask me afterwards. Let me just read again those verses that we began with and we'll close together in worship. In Psalm 19, it says it this way. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, 
more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warmed, and in keeping them there is great reward. Let's pray. Father, we think about this right now, and I just want to say, Lord, I believe it. I believe that your word is powerful, that it would protect us, it would reward us, it would bring us into solid footing, it would bring us into joy, it would bring us to you. It saves, it's a part of of, of the scripture leading us to Christ, and Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that tonight uh, has not been overwhelming, but instead hopefully helpful. Teach us to be good students. Make us like those in the city of Berea who listened but studied the scriptures and, and, and sought to find out what was really true and rested not in the opinions of men but in the solidness of your truth. Make us a people of your book. We ask for that tonight together in Jesus' name. Amen.